Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey, everybody. Tom Salemi here. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. In this week's podcast, I'm going to share my conversation with Eric Donenfeld. Dr. Eric Donenfeld, of course, he is uh, very well known in ophthalmology circles, and he's the founding partner of OCLI. And uh, we talked about a little bit about the dry eye breakfast breakout that he led. But our conversation centered more on the advances in dry eye and what these new products and diagnostics mean for the practice of ophthalmology. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. It's a theme I tried to hit upon a few times during our interviews in the OIS TV studios. And uh, Eric's interview was terrific, and I wanted to share it with you. So please do enjoy this conversation with Eric Donenfeld. Please do also sign up for the OIS Weekly newsletter so you'll get more of this great content delivered directly to you. Go to OIS.net and sign up for the weekly. Now let's get into this podcast conversation with Eric Donenfeld. Eric, thanks for joining us. You, you hosted our dry eye breakfast panel this morning. It's obviously an area that's seen some great advancement over the past year. Uh, how did the panel go this morning initially? Let's start with that question. Well, we had an extraordinary panel. It was, the room was overflowing. Uh, we brought in John Shepard and uh, Michael Ackerman, and uh, we had a great conversation talking about almost all aspects of dry eye. It's an extraordinarily hot area in ophthalmology right now, and deservedly so. Where is the, the attention primarily in dry eye? We've seen a great number of therapeutics approved, including the, the True Tier, just last week. Uh, what are some of the other areas within dry eye that are getting the attention that they deserve? Well, dry is the single most common reason why patients come to our office. It impacts on surgical outcomes. So I think there's two aspects of dry eye which are important. One is diagnosing it more accurately and more quickly, and then treating it more effectively. Mm-hmm. So it's diagnostics and therapeutics that play a very significant role, and the innovation in both of these areas has been significant. Well, what's the state of diagnostics? How, how difficult has this been to diagnose and to give patients an accurate read of what's going on? Well, I think there's a fallacy in that a lot of ophthalmologists feel that dry eye is very easy to diagnose. Huh. It's actually pretty difficult to diagnose, and for that reason, we need better diagnostic tests. And while we have a lot of subjective tests, I think some of the new objective evidence-based tests are really changing the way we diagnose dry eye. A lot of this credit goes to the development of osmolarity with TearLab. They are just launching a new chip that will be uh, talked about at this meeting. I'll be speaking about the IL-1RA and about MMP9 in a quantitative way. We have uh, RPS has their MMP9 uh, test as well. And we have some great diagnostics. Tier Science has the LipaScan, which allows us to do dynamic meibomian gland imaging and really look at the glands and see what role the meibomian glands play mm-hmm. in dry eye disease. So a lot of good diagnostics that make it easier and more accurate to diagnose dry eye disease. How does the, the introduction of these diagnostics impact, number one, your practice? Because you have to bring these, this equipment in and, and, I suppose, make space for it. And number two, your communications with patients. Is it, is it a lot easier now to talk to them about this irritation in their eye than it was before? That's a great question. And the answer to that question is these diagnostics have been incorporated seamlessly into our practice. And what we do is we give a questionnaire to every patient who walks into our office And that questionnaire asks dry eye-related questions. You can use a speed questionnaire, an OSDI questionnaire. We just modify our own. 
And then if that questionnaire has positive responses, it enables our technicians to order the appropriate tests. These tests don't take a lot of time. They're done seamlessly. They're done before the patient sees me so that I have the history and I have the diagnostic testing already done. So I already have a good idea of what the disease is. So the great aspect of these tests is these tests are covered by insurance, number one. And number two, they allow me to make the diagnosis more uh, more easily. I spend less time diagnosing the disease, and it enables me to spend more time talking to the patient about therapies. I also diagnose the disease more accurately thanks to these testing. So it's good in almost every respect. It's good for the patient, it's good for the practice, and it's certainly good for the doctor as well. The reimbursement's an interesting aspect. It is that uh, it must bring new people into your practice, people who maybe haven't come to see you before. Well, having new technology and doing advanced therapeutics is really the hallmark of a successful practice. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to offer patients new technology. And developing a better system for diagnosing the most common reason why patients walk into our office has really been a great aspect about these new diagnostic tests. It allows us to diagnose the disease more easily. We're reimbursed for it. And the patient gets a better test, and the patient leaves knowing a little bit more about their condition. They can either visualize their meibomian glands by looking at the lipid scans, or they have a number. They know what their osmolarity is. They know what their MMP9 number is. They know about their disease, and they can follow it and track it over time. So not only do we allow us to diagnose the mm-hmm. disease more accurately, it allows us to follow response to therapy. So we can now gauge how well patients are responding and see if, it, if a certain therapy is working or not, and then modify our therapy based on the response to these tests. I'll have to get a Fitbit for uh, osmolarity so people can track that day to day. (laughs) I'm going to use that one. I (laughs) I like it. Uh, And and Zydra, we had the launch of Zydra and their their consumer outreach, the approval of TrueTier. Talk a little little bit about the, the therapies that are now available that are making people more comfortable. Well, this all started with cyclosporin restasis 15 years ago. They launched dry therapies. And we haven't had a new product approved for dry in 15 years until this year. We have three new treatments. One is we have Zyger, which is lofitigrass, which is a T-cell modulator. We have non-preserved multi-dosed cyclosporin. And we have TrueTears, which is the first device for treating dry eyes, which is an electrical stimulation test that uh, really looks very exciting. It was just approved this week. I also want to give uh, uh, some praise to both Allergan and to Shire for the way they've launched these new products. Uh, it's very easy to denigrate another product when you launch your own product in that space. Both of these companies have taken the high road, and what we've seen is a global increase in therapies for dry eye disease. Both Allergan and Shire are showing record numbers of sales of these products because they both have raised the level of awareness of dry disease thanks to their very effective marketing. And that's good for patients. It's good for doctors as well. That's a, that's a great point. So what do we see happening in dry eye in the next five years? Well, dry eye, again, we're going to have better diagnostics. Um, Tier Lab now has three uh, uh, different uh, diagnostics on a chip. There'll be more coming. The diagnosis will get easier. We'll have um, uh, smart software that allows us to diagnose it more easily. And then the therapies will keep coming. The pipeline in dry eye is really filled with superstar new technologies that are coming our way. And these technologies are going to drive the market and increase our awareness of dry eye. They'll have different mechanisms of action so that just like glaucoma, you might use two or three different medications. You'll have one that will increase mucus production, one that will increase tear production, one that may may help meibomian gland disease, and will 
tailor our therapies to the patient's needs. Uh, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But when you have a different tool in your toolbox, you can give better therapeutic options to our patients. And that's the future of dry disease. Better options, better delivery systems, and better patient care. It's a great way to end it. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And that is a wrap. Eric Donafeld, thanks for joining us in the OIS TV studios and on the OIS podcast. Pleasure to have your thoughts and expertise on the podcast. Thank you, podcast listeners, for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this talk. Do uh, do us a few favors. Give us a ranking on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. Shoot me an email if you have thoughts on topics and guests that we should have on the podcast. My email is tom at healthogy.com, and healthogy is spelled like the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y, again, that's .com. And finally, tell your, uh, your ophthalmology innovation-minded friends about the podcast. The more ears, the better. And uh, that is a wrap. OIS at ASRS is happening on August 10th in Boston. Registration is open. Go to ois.net, sign up there, and we'll see you in my hometown, Boston, Massachusetts.